Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back and make sure you tell them I sent you, again, the website, BeantownAthletics.com. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. President's Day was yesterday. A Valentine's Day was on Sunday. And I was on the radio all weekend on WEEI, Saturday, Sunday, and also yesterday, last night on Monday. And a lot of the talk was NBA trade deadline related, as the NBA trade deadline is this coming Thursday, this week. 3 o'clock Eastern Time on Thursday. A little schedule update for you on this show this week. Tomorrow I will do a little bit more trade deadline stuff in the NBA than I'll do today. That's because Kyle Draper from Comcast Sportsnet New England, uh, he covers the Celtics. I use him as my NBA insider. He is host of the Boston Celtics pregame, postgame live show on Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, he will join me over the phone tomorrow. We will get into a lot of these NBA trade deadline rumors. We've had more and more of them over the weekend, but really you're hearing the same names. Uh, Kevin Love, Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin, Al Horford. I have some names that I've brought to the table that I think are interesting that you should think of if you do want to think outside the box while remaining somewhat realistic, but I think... At least here in Boston, here in New England, we're excited about this time of year with the trade deadline Thursday. That's because we expect the Celtics, if they're going to make any moves, that they're going to make a move that's pretty big in which they become buyers. Like, let's face it, the Celtics are not going to be selling at the deadline. And it, I should I should say this, though. The David Lee stuff, if it turns out between now and Thursday... The only move the Celtics made was a David Lee trade. Well, that is kind of selling. That's sort of a uh, salary dump. Uh, David Lee does not play right now. He's making big money, and it's an expiring contract. So they would be dishing that out. And reports are if that doesn't happen, well, they'll then buy him out after the trade deadline, but they will try to move him before Thursday Still, when when I say the Celtics won't be sellers, I, I tell you they're not. It's not like they're going to be trading their All Star Isaiah Thomas for more draft picks. Like if the Celtics are going to make a major move, it's going to be in the form of buying. It's going to be in the form of trading some of their draft picks that they have. They have their own picks. They have Brooklyn's picks. They got a pick from Memphis, uh, a pick from the Mavericks. They have all these picks stockpiled. If they make a move, it's going to be taking some of those picks, maybe packaging them with a player or two, a young player or two, and, and, and acquiring an all-star caliber player. And we had those conversations on the radio all weekend long, and I will get into some more NBA trade deadline stuff tomorrow and, of course, Thursday and Friday. Uh, Thursday's tough because it's deadline day, and... You know, when we record this podcast, sometimes people don't listen to it until the evening, which means that I'm going to record before the trade deadline, at least I expect to, on Thursday, and then you might not listen until after the trade deadline, which means that things are going to change. So perhaps, we'll, and this is something that I've thought of, we'll do tomorrow's podcast and Thursday's podcast is something that I will do maybe a little bit later in the day on Thursday and get it out to you Thursday night so it'll also be available to you on Friday and then try to bring an NBA insider also on the show Friday to help react to some of the moves that either were made or were not made and were talked about being made and and just they didn't end up pulling the trigger on. So we'll do more NBA trade deadline stuff tomorrow, Thursday and Friday. Uh, As I mentioned, pitchers and catches report this week. So, 
uh, I, you know, I've been talking about this every time I jump on the air. It's that we're getting closer and closer to spring training. And that's a good thing because we had some nasty weather this weekend here in New England. I mean, we had freezing cold temperatures. It's one thing to have freezing cold temperatures. It's another thing to have like record low freezing cold temperatures. And they weren't kidding when they gave us this forecast because it was as cold as I felt in a long, long time. They're telling us it felt like it was minus 25. Uh, We had some cold weather today, though. Interesting. It's like 55 degrees if the sun was out. See, it's raining today. If the sun was out, we'd have, I think this would be close to a fucking beach day, I think. <laughs> that, that's how warm it is, or at least it feels like that compared to what we had and the freezing cold temperatures we had over the weekend. Uh, but we are closer to spring training. Pitchers and catchers officially reporting this week, though. We've seen videos and stories and interviews of guys that have been down at spring training already for the last couple weeks. And and I don't know that I sit here and praise these guys for showing up early. In fact, I do know. I don't praise them for showing up early. It's not like they're making this ultimate sacrifice to go spend a little extra time in Florida in early to mid-February or in Arizona, wherever their spring training is, whatever league they're in. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't sit here and go, oh, what a... What a soldier. What a warrior. He's going to leave wherever he is to go to Arizona or Florida in February. What a guy. What a teammate. Nah, I don't get into that. I don't praise these guys too much for showing up early. In fact, year after year, it just seems like these players, that's what they do. It's like they show up earlier and earlier every year. And that date in which we say for each team, pitches and catches report on this date, that actual date, becomes more more and more meaningless every single year, doesn't it? When you see how many players actually show up way before that that date for pitches and catches reporting, it's, it's not just pitches and catches. It's all the, the entire team shows up early. So uh, that's where we stand in Major League Baseball. I'm going to hold off on some baseball stuff, though. While we have NBA trade deadline, you will even get into some NHL trade deadline stuff in the coming weeks. The NHL trade deadline is February 29th. So I think we'll take care of some of that stuff first. Uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball previews and predictions, honestly, I, I, I don't really get into that until we get closer to opening day. And that's the first week of April. And we are still a ways away from that. I mean, we'll be getting into March Madness, NCAA tournament stuff. Uh, you know, before we get into to MLB and Major League Baseball, look, I'm a big baseball guy. You know I'll do a lot of baseball on the show, not just Red Sox, but throughout the entire league. But when it comes to previewing the season, getting involved in some of the major storylines, you know, everyone, there could be a spring training storyline that pops up. You know David Ortiz is going to say something, or Hanley Ramirez is going to say something that maybe we we blow out of proportion and we talk about, or somebody around Major League Baseball is going to do something or say something during spring training that will become a storyline. And if it does, we'll talk about it. But when it comes to actual, you know, predictions and team previews and season previews, I I wait till we get closer to opening day, which is the first week of April for that. So If I'm not going to do NBA trade deadline, if I'm not going to do NHL trade deadline today, and if I'm not going to do Major League Baseball stuff, well, you might be asking, Danny, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about this Peyton Manning story. And if if you haven't really been paying attention all weekend, if you're one of those people who goes away President's Day weekend, you I don't know, you go on a ski trip, or Valentine's Day was Sunday, uh, you, you know, you go on some little romantic getaway, maybe you haven't been paying attention to the sports news of the weekend, all right, I can understand that, so that's why I'm here uh, to, to, to get you updated. Well, over the weekend, a New York Daily News columnist wrote a piece in which he describes this, these court documents that just showed up on his doorstep, right? And he opened them up, and he read them, and he revealed them to the public. And those court documents were detailing the alleged sexual assault charges that were made against Peyton Manning back in 1996 
when he was at the University of Tennessee. Uh, These court documents were from one side. They were from the side of the lawyers of the female trainer. It was titled Facts of the Case. And, you know, it's important to to point that out, that these court documents are from one side of the story. And when you initially see this story come up again, you might say to yourself, like I said, as I'm beginning to read this column in the New York Daily News, you might say, well, we already knew about this. We already knew about this about these sexual assault allegations made against Peyton Manning when he was at Tennessee in the 90s, in in 1996, specifically with this female trainer. Uh, And, and, you know, you're right if you ask that question because we have heard this story before. It has been out there. Um, It it came up at the time. It came up again years later when the Mannings wrote a book. I mean, this has been out there. This is not necessarily new news. And I, I, that's what I was thinking to myself as I began to read this. But then you get into the court documents, and there's certainly some specifics to these court documents that that that, that is new. It, there are things in this that are new, okay? Certainly. Uh, but the, the story itself, the idea that Peyton Manning is accused of sexual assault of this female trainer in 96, that... That isn't a new thing. They said that isn't earth-shattering, breaking news. We already heard this stuff. And we heard that it was settled once. We heard uh, that it was settled again. Right? We, we knew that. This is all stuff we knew. But in these court documents, and as this columnist for the New York Daily News points out, there are things in here that, you know, come to light that is certainly eye-opening stuff that that at least I didn't know, or at least I didn't read about, that I do think are being brought to the table that have not been brought to the table before when it comes to this story. Um, Now, I, I think it's important also when you read this column to... To know the timeline of events, like I, I, I think that is something that maybe is lost in the shuffle because there's a lot of stuff that you're trying to sort through as you read this piece, as you read the court documents. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to go back because as I sit here and try to explain why this should be a story, I think you need to, you need to go back to the beginning and, and and get, you know, th- these court documents were called the facts of the case. Well, let's go back to the beginning here and actually get the facts, at, at least the facts, as much as we know from both sides and what both sides said, okay? It, it's important to note that. So, 1996, Peyton Manning, as I just mentioned, accused of sexually assaulting a female trainer, Dr. Jamie Narite, and, and I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, Manning initially said that this never happened. And if you want to know the details as to what he allegedly did, uh, the female trainer was checking his foot and checking his foot for something, some type of injury or whatever it was. And Peyton Manning decided to scoot down the end of the table, take his pants off, and place his genitals in the female trainer's face, okay? Uh, that is what he allegedly did in this training room in 1996 at the University of Tennessee. Now, again, Manning initially said this did not ever happen. He then said that he, he was mooning another player, that he mooned, pulled his pants down, you know what mooning is, showed his ass to another player, and that the female trainer just happened to to knock her face into Peyton Manning's uh, groinal region, we'll call it. That was Peyton's story, right? Um, <laughs> which, which is kind of an insane story, but that's what Peyton was going to go with. And when he said he was mooning another player, that player denies that that ever happened, that Peyton mooned him. And that player, actually, what was his name, Malcolm Saxon? That player's denied it, and that player lost his eligibility, 
And he ended up writing a letter to Peyton Manning telling Peyton to admit to what he did. Now, eventually, you know, there's a lawsuit, sexual assault. The University of Tennessee, they settle with the trainer for $300,000, okay? And, and, and initially, that's, that's kind of all I need to see to know that, that something happened a little bit more serious than Peyton Manning just mooning another player in the locker room. Like, come on, right? I mean, moon, you, you moon another player in the locker room? I mean, guys in the locker room, they're probably, everybody's walking around naked anyways at times. What's so funny about mooning another player? I mean, it's just, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that part of it anyways. But, you know, the fact that you believe you just mooned another player and, and, and the school believes you and they just settle with this female trainer for $300,000, um, you know. That seems a little bit crazy to me, but that's what the school wanted to do, and, and that's what they did. Uh, so they settled for $300,000, and then it came back up again because the Mannings brought it up, right? Like, she had to she had to leave the school. She had to leave Tennessee. The female trainer had to leave Tennessee. She went to another school, uh, but 2001, the, the Mannings wrote a book, and... Essentially, this book ran a smear campaign on this female trainer, Dr. Jamie Narey. Now, the trainer then saw this because she was sent some of the book and some of the things that was said about it. And, you know, Xerox copies was sent to her and the school that she worked with and... Uh, just said some awful things about her in the book, and she got it, and the school got it, and actually the school ended up opening it up and seeing the things that were said, and, and she ended up losing her job at that school, and and the trainer then filed the lawsuit against the Manning family, claiming that the Mannings broke a confidentiality agreement, which resulted in another settlement. Now, fast forward, because you might be asking yourself again, why is this all coming up again if we sort of knew all this stuff already? Well, fast forward now to this weekend and this column to the New York Daily News. But even, you know, you want to go a little bit further backwards to a day or two after the Super Bowl. There was these there were these court documents that were dropped off to this columnist, Sean King, from the New York Daily News. And. You know, he wrote this column, but as we saw the day after he wrote the column, uh, there is a lawsuit from a group of women. And Peyton Manning is among the athletes cited in this lawsuit, which is, again, filed by a group of women, alleging that the University of Tennessee has violated Title IX regulations and that the university created a hostile sexual environment. The federal suit also states that Tennessee's policies made students more vulnerable to sexual assault and had a clearly unreasonable response, that the school had a clearly unreasonable response to incidents involving harassment. Okay? So there's this lawsuit from a group of women, and I'm only assuming now that before they came out with this lawsuit, they dumped these court documents off to some media members, and they might have dropped them off to this New York Daily News columnist because he had been writing pieces about Cam Newton versus Peyton Manning and the way that we react to, uh, you know, things that involve Peyton and, and, and Cam Newton and how he reacted to the Super Bowl, all this stuff. And, and, and I don't know, maybe they dropped them off to multiple people, but guess what? This columnist from the New York Daily News got these court documents, wrote a column on it, and he revealed the documents. And he revealed them this weekend. And it does give us some new information as to what went down. And, and again, it's, it is important to note that it's one-sided from this female trainer and her lawyers. But at the same time, I think there's some stuff in here that is certainly pretty damning evidence against Peyton Manning even though these court documents are coming from only one side, right? 
I mean, I think there is some stuff in here that is not just opinion-based stuff or he said, she said, one side of the story type stuff. There is there are some things in here. And and you know what? I tried to go back over the weekend and, and I tried to go and get the the timeline of, of how this was reported back in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And look, it's tough to get every, it's tough to pull up every single story and know exactly what was reported at the time and to have the complete recollection of, of, of what was reported based on what was reported then and what's new now. I'll tell you, there's some stuff that's new to me. And, and, and maybe I can't speak for everybody because... I said some things on the radio this weekend that were new to me that some people called up or or tweeted into me and said, you know what, I already had heard that. And I said, well, okay, I didn't. And so it's news to me. And I don't know who you blame for that. I don't know if you blame anybody for that, right? But the fact of the matter is, some of this stuff was out. Some of it, in my opinion, wasn't. Or at least I didn't see some of it. And I think there's a lot of people that would agree with me that some of this stuff is new in these court documents that this columnist for the New York Daily News is revealing. And I think the reason why he, he received these documents, these, these legal documents, these court documents, is the 74-page report, is because now we're seeing this lawsuit against the University of Tennessee from this group of women uh, saying that they violated Title IX regulations and created a hostile sexual environment. You know, I, I, think, the, I think the timing of this lawsuit to when this dump-off was to this columnist, I, I think it, it's all coming together, all right? And, and that's why we're talking about this now. That's why this is still alive, because there's a group of women that is still fighting this thing against the University of Tennessee, and Peyton Manning has, happens to be named as one of the athletes in this lawsuit, and he's probably the biggest name. Let's face it, he's probably the biggest name. And Peyton is someone who's in the news because he just won a Super Bowl, He's in the news because of the HGH allegations. And, and I think a lot of this stuff that I saw that some of it was new to me, I think it brings us into the HGH discussion. And I've been very clear. I've been very clear, and I was clear over the weekend. I am in no way, shape, or form trying to compare HGH use to sexual assault. And, and you know how serious one is. I'm not trying to compare. We know what one is more serious, okay? The sexual assault charges are obviously the much more serious accusations. But Peyton Manning has been accused now of both of these things. And I know that this original accusation, the sexual assault accusation was 1996, and that the HGH is, is much more recent. But... The actions by Peyton Manning that ensued following both of these accusations are comparable. His, the way he reacted to it is comparable. And, and what I'm seeing in, these, in this new court document and what I'm seeing in this column over the weekend that brings us back to the sexual assault charges and the sexual assault accusations, the response from the Manning family and Peyton Manning himself throughout the years. Some of the stuff that I'm seeing from this is new to me. The response part of it, okay? And it, 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 the response to that and the HH stuff is comparable. And I think that's why it is timely. So bringing us back to this column and what Sean King wrote and, and why he's bringing this up now, you know, you then have to ask yourself, are these sexual assault allegations actually true? Like, did this really go down the way the female trainer says it went down? Or did it go down the way Peyton Manning says it went down by just he was mooning another player? I mean, that just seems like an it seems like a story that you can't believe the one that Peyton Manning gave. And there are absolutely things. In these court documents, look, as one-sided as they may be, given the fact that they are only coming from the lawyers of the female trainer and, and we're not getting Peyton Manning's side of the story from these court documents, you still sort of have some evidence in there that shows Peyton Manning's story 
is not the believable story. That, that It shows that he is actually lying and made up some things here and made up a lot of things which makes you believe the female trainer. As one-sided as these court documents may be based on the fact that they're coming from only her lawyers, the evidence revealed in these documents show that Peyton Manning was actually caught in a lie and multiple lies. And the most damning evidence that Manning was the one lying from these court documents comes from testimony of former Tennessee players, players who had played with Peyton Manning, players who were actually a little older than Peyton Manning, right? Um, and by the way, they did, they testified, you know, this was testimony under oath, and there was a story about how Peyton had to give these players a ride while this female trainer basically handed him off to Peyton Manning to give him a ride somewhere. And and Peyton was talking about how the female trainer had a vulgar mouth. That's like, that's his go-to thing. That's what him and his father, you know, that's the disturbing part of these court documents is that they went out of their way for years to really try and, 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 and run a smear camp campaign on this woman and her reputation by saying she had a vulgar mouth, by saying she was sleeping with black athletes uh, from the school, sneaking up into the dorms. I mean, that's what these, that's what Archie Manning and Peyton Manning was saying about this woman. I mean, that's what they said in the book, right? That's what they were saying, uh, you know, to other people. They were trying to get other people to, to, the school was trying to get other people to take the fall for this thing. And, and one thing Peyton Manning kept saying was that this female trainer had a vulgar mouth. And one of the more descriptive examples that he used was, the trainer want the, the female trainer wanted Peyton Manning to give some other Tennessee players a ride somewhere. And this was the quote. She, according to Peyton, said, quote, these motherfuckers are yours. Get these motherfuckers off my hands for a little while. End quote. <laughs> that's, the, that's the example Peyton Manning gave. Um, by the way, under oath, he gave this and said, because she said that to him, Peyton Manning gave these fellow Tennessee players a ride. Now, these four players that he said he gave a ride, by the way, all older than Manning, they were also under oath, and they said that Peyton Manning never gave him a ride at all. So they basically called him out on a lie. And, and you know, that to me is like, well, why, why is everybody lying? Why would, why would these guys be lying about that? Right? Peyton Manning just comes off in this thing to be the one who is not telling the truth. And if he's not telling the truth, then what you then saw from Archie Manning, Peyton, you know, the book, the things that they said, the smear campaign, they got her fired from the job at her other school, uh, all those things, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And as Paul Feinbaum puts it, because, I, look, we've, we've knocked the media for not covering some things Peyton Manning related or maybe, you know, getting to some things, you know, a little bit later than they should. Like, they should be jumping all over the story the minute it came out and, and the new stuff that came out with this. Um, they did do a piece on Outside the Lines yesterday. I did watch it. It was with Paul Feinbaum and the SEC Network, right? He's got his own show on that SEC Network. And, you know, he came out at the beginning and he said, you know, he became close friends. Or he was close with the Manning family. He was close with Archie Manning. And he recalled the story in which Archie Manning called Paul Feinbaum 20 years ago when this story was coming out. And how, uh, you know, Archie Manning was basically calling, had some pretty harsh words for this female trainer. And Paul Feinbaum on Outside the Lines yesterday said, look, I don't feel comfortable using the words that he used, that Archie Manning used, to describe this female trainer. Well, basically, I'll, I'll use them for him. Basically, what Archie Manning said was, when he called Paul Feinbaum was, and this is also based on the way they had described her in, in, in other things that we read, is Archie Manning called Paul Feinbaum, and he called this female trainer a whore, right? That's basically what he called her. Let's not, let's not try to hide from this. That's what they were calling this woman. They were calling this female trainer a whore. That, that's it. And they used that 
to sort of portray her in this certain light to try to defend his son, to defend Peyton. And to say, Peyton didn't do this. She's doing that, this, that, the other thing. This is what her reputation is. This is uh, what people think of her. And, and, and because of that, how could you believe her side of the story? You got to believe me. You go, you know, I'm NFL royalty here, okay? Um, we're the royal football family. You got to believe us. You're not going to believe this whore that's running around with other students doing all this stuff. Why? Don't believe her. Believe us. And here's why. And, and they started this smear campaign back with that phone call that Archie Manning made to Paul Feinbaum that Feinbaum said yesterday on Outside the Lines. He made, right? So the smear campaign began years ago. And Paul Feinbaum, he came out and said that. And he also described this smear campaign and what Archie Manning and Peyton Manning did and tried to say about this woman. He described it as the good old boy way of doing things. The good old boy way. <laughs> it was on Outside the Lines. They did the Outside the Lines piece. We've knocked the media. Uh, I, they, I mean, they did acknowledge it yesterday. They have acknowledged it on ESPN. I know it's not the same extent the way we'd like it to be based on everything that happened with Tom Brady. I mean, I've already expressed that. I, I, I've crushed ESPN. I've crushed the national media. And anybody who says, well, it's a one-sided you know, the court documents are one-sided, or the story's one-sided. We haven't heard from Peyton Manning, so we can't make a big deal out of it. I mean, my reaction to that is, well, what was Deflategate when it first came out? Deflategate was one-sided, wasn't it? Deflategate was one-sided. It was Mortensen coming out with a story that was given to him from the NFL on numbers of PSI levels in footballs, and what did everybody do? It was, they made it the biggest story in the history of sports. And every analyst had an opinion, and most of the opinions were crushing Tom Brady's reputation based on a one-sided story. So this idea that they can't go all in on reporting this based on the fact that these, these court documents revealed are only coming from one side and they consider it a one-sided story, the fact that they can't report it and, and give analysis on it because of that is ridiculous. They set the precedent of of reacting and reporting things that are one-sided. Yeah, so you gotta, you can't have it one way with one story and not with the other. And that's what pisses people off, especially here in New England, because we feel like Peyton Manning gets the special treatment because he is part of NFL royalty. But as it turns out, and, and this is the overriding theme and really the only thing that you can compare with this sexual assault story to the HGH story recently with Peyton Manning, the only thing you can compare is the response that the Manning family had. And as Paul Feinbaum put it on the Outside the Lines piece, the good old boy way of doing things, which is, you know, we're a football, f- this is, you know, this is football. This is Tennessee. Uh, you believe our side of the story. It's going to be our way or no way at all. And we're going to do everything we can to cover this up or get rid of this story. And we're going to move on. And, and, and we're better than everybody else. And it's, a, it's just this self-righteous feeling that you get from, from, from reading the response that Archie Manning and Peyton Manning had. Like, they were going to get away with this. They're the Manning family, and it's their way or it's no way at all. And they're going to go do and say whatever is necessary to make this thing go away, even though they brought it up again with a book. And, and, and basically try to crush this woman. And so then she, hey, she, they broke a confidentiality agreement. She filed a defamation lawsuit, and they settled again. And it's coming up again now because there is still a fight that is going on between a group of women and the University of Tennessee for the school allegedly creating a hostile sexual environment. And Peyton Manning is among the athletes named in this lawsuit. And uh, because of that, we're talking about the Peyton Manning stuff again. And there is some new stuff. And I just gave you the evidence of that with 
the players who come out and say Peyton Manning was lying, right? And, you know, just that that one ride alone that he— Because other than that, what other examples did Peyton Manning have of, of this female trainer having a vulgar mouth? In fact, there's more people that we read testimony of that have come out and said, this female trainer, you know— she she didn't have a vulgar mouth, and in fact, she was a world-class trainer. Like, th- there are more examples of that than there are Peyton Manning's story being believable at all. Or that lead that should lead me and lead us to believe Peyton Manning's story is believable. And if it's not believable, and we're going to believe her side of the story, you know, the things that the Manning family did to either try to cover this up or get past this and still, you know continue to have this reputation of being the royal football family that they are, prestigious family that does nothing wrong, uh, they were willing to go to extreme lengths to make sure that was the case, right? And and it really is disgusting, and it brings you to the HGH stuff. Brings you to HGH stuff. Not the situations itself, but the reactions to the situation, right? Because we get into, well, do we believe Peyton? Because a lot of people did. A lot of analysts, right away, when he denied the HGH use, right away, um, they said, well, he's, you know, Peyton said he didn't do it, then he didn't do it. Or some people said, well, Charlie Sly had a video that said none of the statements he made were true, so none of the statements he made were true, Peyton didn't do it. Well, when you see how the Manning family, when you get to actually go in depth to see how the Manning family responded uh, to these sexual assault allegations and the things and the lengths that they were willing to go to to crush this woman and and run the smear campaign on her and tarnish her reputation and get her fired from another school. I mean, I, I, are you really surprised now to see what Peyton Manning's reaction was to the HGH stuff? And if you don't know, you have to go back and read that Washington Post report. And I have made a big deal about the Washington Post report several times on this podcast, on the radio. So if you hear anybody say uh, people laughed off the Washington Post report, then you, you know that I was not one of them that laughed it off. I crushed Peyton Manning for this. And if you don't know what happened and you didn't read that report, Peyton Manning hired Ari Fleischer, who then hired a couple guys, a couple goons, to go to Charlie Sly's house before the Al Jazeera report that linked Peyton Manning to HGH ever even came out. Five days before, I think. And they went to Charlie Sly's house, and they claimed they were law enforcement, which turned out not to be true. I've questioned what type of private investigators these guys were because I don't think they were private investigators. Okay? I mean, I told you I think they were borderline hitmen. I think they were there to cause some trouble at the Sly household, and I think there's a reason why Charlie Sly recorded a video the very next day on Christmas Eve morning, recanting all the things that he said that he still didn't even know he said because the report wasn't even out. And he was secretly recorded. So he didn't even know what he was recanting. Yet, he decided to make a video, and Charlie Sly's lawyer said the idea to make that video was Charlie Sly's idea. But really, whose idea was it? It was those two goons that showed up at his house, who basically forced him to do it. And if you think that they forced him to do it by saying, well, if you don't do it, we're just gonna, uh, you know, there'll be a lawsuit. And, and you're going to have to get an even better lawyer, and this is going to get ugly for you, I'm willing to think that the threat was a little bit more serious than that, okay? All right, and then there were also private investigators, as I put up the air quotes with my fingers, uh, with my hands on this, that went to the Gaia Institution and looked at Peyton Manning and Ashley Manning's records. Yes, looked at their records. Sure they did. It just... When you add up the response that Peyton Manning had to the HGH stuff, and, you know, you combine it with what you add up to the family's response to the sexual assault allegations and some of the newest stuff that we now learned in these court documents, it, it, 
it shows us that there is a patent here. And the patent is the Manning family thinks it can get away with whatever it wants. All right? Can get away with whatever it wants. This self-righteous attitude that they have, that whatever goes down that doesn't look good or makes or might tarnish their name and their family's name, well, they have a way to take care of it, and they have a way to either cover it up or make it go away, right? They do. They, that's what they think. Now, if you look at this column and you dig a little bit deeper into the response that the Manning family had to the sexual assault allegations, and you combine it with the Peyton Manning's response to the HGH stuff, you look at the HGH thing, and, and I think you have to take a different, you have to at least, if you're one of these people out there that immediately believe Peyton Manning, immediately, uh, you know, laughed off the Al Jazeera report, immediately believed Charlie Sly when he recanted in that video, I think you need to reevaluate your stance on that. And at least start taking this HGH story a little bit more seriously. And, and it's not to say that you shouldn't take the sexual assault stuff seriously, because I do think, obviously, that's the more serious situation at hand. But again, as we mentioned, that happened in 96. It was already, that's already been settled a couple different times. All right? Uh, and, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know where that goes. I mean, I'd li- I, I do think that this Title IX lawsuit here with this group of women in University of Tennessee, I believe ultimately that's why this has come up again, why that's, they have sort of, there have been some court documents released to some, some media members, and, you know, you call it a media dump if you want. That's kind of what it was. I think it, it was dumped off because of this lawsuit now that was filed on Tuesday against the University of Tennessee. I think that, you know, as that goes on, let's say that's not settled in some way. I mean, I guess I expect that to be settled. Maybe there's some new stuff that comes out, given the fact that Peyton Manning's name is involved in this, and, you know, there is there are some even newer things. Who knows? Does Peyton Manning have a team that responds to this now? Do they give a dump off to another media member? And, and, and does he write a column portraying Manning's side of the story a little bit more in-depth, I have no idea. What, what I do know is that some of the things you can take from this New York Daily News column and, and the court documents from her side of the story, the female trainer, I think you could take as, as factual stuff, given the fact that there's testimony from people who are calling Peyton Manning a liar. Uh... And I guess I just don't see any reason why all these people are lying or, or would be lying, right? It just seems like they're the ones that are telling the truth and Peyton Manning's not. Now, that's my opinion based on things that I've read from these court documents. I get that. But the reaction that the Manning family had is real. And it's it's disturbing. It's disgusting. And when you try to connect the dots to now seeing Peyton Manning's reaction to the HGH stuff, I think it, 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 the, the issue at hand is what do you believe with Peyton Manning and the HGH? Like, is, is he now this believable figure that is this goody two-shoes, did everything the right way type of cat? I, you have to question that. You do. I don't know what your end, end result is going to be in your head as to what you think about Peyton Manning. I, I, and I don't know that I'm sitting there trying to tell you that that there should be an asterisk next to his name or you should crucify him for HGH use. Because again, as I felt about HGH, as I feel about PEDs, is that it happens. But has, I also feel that if it happens, it's a story. It's a major story. And the HGH stuff... Was ne- well, Look, while the outside the lines piece yesterday with Paul Feinbaum, well, that was nice, and it was nice of them to acknowledge it and good for them to acknowledge this story, they still haven't really acknowledged the HGH thing, which at the end of the day, when you bring it back to the current Peyton Manning NFL career, goes out on top, Super Bowl champ, is kind of the biggest sports story right now. 
the HGH side of it. Again, not to say that the sexual assault stuff isn't serious. It is. But let's face the facts. It's already been settled a couple times. There have been settlements there. And I don't know what happens with this Title IX lawsuit. Maybe that gets settled too, and we don't hear anything else on this. But the response from the Manning family is so disturbing and disgusting that there is a common theme. There's a pattern now with the way the Mannings respond to things that don't go their way. To things that don't make them look good. Where they are willing to go to the extreme to make things go away and to cover some things up. And clearly, when you read the Washington Post report and you dig a little deeper on this HGH stuff, Peyton Manning clearly tried to use some of those tactics to make this HGH story go away. Did he not? I think it's pretty evident he did. And if that's the case, then this HGH thing, you know, do you do you believe him? I mean, do, do you just now, to the people that shrugged it off, so quickly and said Peyton would never do that, or I believe Peyton Manning. Is he this believable cat still to some of these guys? I, I don't know how you could sit there, read these court documents, and say, and, and say that he is this believable human being. I, I don't know how you could say that. So, all the stuff that we talked about this weekend and read going back to 96, I think you fast forward to right now, and I think the biggest... The biggest story is still the story that they really have, haven't have made a story. And that's the HGH thing. They haven't. Look, the national media has not gone after. Look, I give the Washington Post. I give the New York Times credit. They had that story on Elements Nutrition. I give Al Jazeera credit. But the, the, the national sports media, like the ESPN of the world, right? I mean, they're the biggest. That's the mothership. That's where we go to. As much as I knock them, I go to ESPN all the time. I do. I love ESPN. They give me my sports news. We knock them for things that we don't like. We are biased in New England with the Brady stuff. Of course we are. Uh, but but I, I do think that with the Brady stuff and the deflate gate, you know, even if, it, let's say it was, I don't know, let's say the deflate gate stuff was happening to Russell Wilson instead of Brady. I, I, I feel like I would be crushing them just as much. I really do. I, because I think it's ridiculous. You, you, you're doing all this about what? Air pressure in a football? Who gives a shit? And you're not going to do this about a guy who was essentially using performance-enhancing drugs? You're just going to ignore that one? And why are you ignoring it? Well, because it's the royal family. It's Peyton Manning, right? He does it. No, Peyton does things the right way. Well, when you go back and you look at some of this stuff that's coming out again and some of the newer information and, and, and you sort of rethink how... How that all went down with Archie and Peyton and how they try to cover it up and make that go away. I I don't know how you look at this HGH stuff and automatically say, I believe Peyton. I don't know how you do that. I really don't. So, the, the HGH thing, based on what we're seeing and the family's reaction and how they've handled business in the past and how it seems like they handle business now from that Washington Post report, it's time to fire the HGH thing up. It, it is. It's time to make this the story that it should be. I, I don't know what they're waiting for. I, I honestly don't. It is time to fire up the Peyton Manning HGH investigation. It is time. Okay? And, and perhaps, at the end of the day, the cover-up will look worse than the crime. And, and you know what? It probably will. Probably will. Um, and will ultimately just make pa- Peyton Manning look like just a, a buffoon. And, and a dirtbag. And a liar. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't... Look, I'm not going to put an asterisk next to his name. He was a great football player. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He, he is. I, the the HGA stuff, I don't even care. I, I really don't. I really don't care about it. But I do care that it's a story based on the fact that people say, well, Brady doesn't factor into this. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I think it does. Because for a year, and, and now we're st- they're still fighting it. The NFL's still fighting to flakegate. This HGH thing needs to be a story. It does. It, it, they need to make this a story. And I, I just hope that... I, I just hope that they do. 
Because the stuff that I read this weekend in this New York Daily News column is as disturbing as disturbing could get when it comes to somebody trying to make something go away. Something as serious as sexual assault. And Peyton and Archie, it's pretty clear they tried to make that thing go away. Right? The university tried to make it go away. Peyton and Archie tried to make it go away. And then... And then some, right? And then the smear campaign against this woman. Uh, and, and if you are going to believe her side of the story, which I think she, I, I think these court documents provide enough there, which make me believe her side of the story, and and at least, or at least make me not believe Peyton. Put it that way, right? And what they did after the fact uh, to to either make people believe the man and family or just make it go away is disgusting. Really is. Really is. And now you see, you see how Peyton has handled eight, the HGH stuff. Uh, they got to get into that. They still haven't. I mean, they really still haven't. Honestly, like how, how much was, like did ESPN even pick up on the Washington Post report? I still don't think they have, right? I still don't think they have. I don't know that they ever mentioned it. Now, maybe they did, and I missed it. But if they mentioned it, they mentioned it, and that was it. And it was like, on to a college basketball highlight or something. That's, that's, what I, that's as far as they went with it. They, they just mentioned it, if they did mention it at all. And I, still, I didn't even hear them mention it. So, we'll keep an eye on it. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do my best to, to see if, if they are going to make this a big deal, and if they do, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, but it just, it, it pulls back the curtain, you know, and reveals what the Mannings feel, how much power they have. They feel like they can do whatever they want and they can get away with it because they're the Mannings. And just that, that just jumps off the page at you. And, and it makes you feel dirty reading it, doesn't it? That they, that they would feel this way about themselves and be able to say this, these things and do these things to people just to make something go away and cover something up, like nothing to see here. Right? I mean, honestly. You think Peyton Manning just mooned somebody? Honest, honest to God. You think Peyton Manning mooned something? Just, that was it. He mooned a player? And so the university gives gives this woman $300,000? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. In fact, they have people who worked at the school that under oath admitted that this woman that they knew so well, who was a world-class trainer, would they admitted that that they would that she would never flip out about a player mooning another player in front of her. They said no, she probably, she wouldn't she wouldn't react like this to that. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just the Manning's story on its own is just not believable. And then when you get the evidence, what other players are saying about it, it's... And then what the Manning family did, it's it's disturbing. So, the way they reacted to it, I think, needs to be brought into the way Peyton has reacted to this HGH stuff, which should make the HGH story a major story. And it's just something that has... It, it has just not been made a major story. Yet. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. Hopefully it will be. So, um, that's that's what we had going this weekend, and we talked. To, we kind of, you know, I, I had a couple segments on EEI about it this weekend. I know there are some people that are just sick and tired of Peyton Manning. I get that. You don't want to hear about him anymore. Season's over. Uh, the fact that he won a Super Bowl makes you sick to your stomach, especially here in New England. I can understand that, but. I do think the HGH thing should be a, a major story. And I still can't understand why it's not. Uh, NBA trade deadline. As I mentioned, Thursday is the NBA trade deadline, 3 o'clock. Kyle Draper, he'll join me tomorrow. As for All-Star Weekend, just a little recap and, and reaction real quick. I, I made my picks on Friday. I, I was not here yesterday because it was a holiday, and I actually was working on WEI yesterday. Uh, so this is my first show of the week. So to, to update you on how I did with Picks Picks, I had, I basically took all the favorites for the skills challenge. I took Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he lost in the finals 
to Kyle Anthony Towns. I took Steph Curry in the three-point contest. He lost in the finals, in the final round to Clay Thompson. Um, I took, I won the dunk contest with Zach Levine, right? I won with Zach Levine. I won with the West. They were the favorites, like five and a half point favorite. They, they whooped the East. So I won with the West and I lost with the MVP. I had Kobe, the MVP. He was the favorite there. He didn't win that. It was his last all-star game and Russell Westbrook won his second straight all-star game MVP. And I took the over. I won the over in that game, too, over the weekend. So there was an NBA edition of Picks Picks on Friday. Eh, it wasn't great, but I was close to a couple. I know close close is not good enough to get you a win. Uh, but I did win a couple of the picks this weekend. As for the dunk contest, people up in arms because Aaron Gordon didn't win. It could have gone either way. In fact, I think we forget about some of the early dunks. Like Zach Levine's first dunk. Without props, without a mascot, where he just sort of behind his back. I thought that was the best dunk of the night. Zach Levine's first dunk. And in fact, the dunks that Aaron Gordon used with the mascot, everyone's talking about the one where he's, he does the chair and he sits down and he hops over the mascot with his ass and dunks it. That's impressive, don't get me wrong. But he has, I think his other, his other dunk with the mascot in which he cradles the ball out of his hand, has to time it, cradle it, and throw down the dunk. I thought that was better than the one where he was, uh, where he jumped over with his ass. So I think there's a couple dunks that we're ignoring. Uh, Gordon was great. Levine was great. They gave it Levine. They could have given it to either one, and I would have been happy with it. But I bet Levine to win it. So <laughs> uh, I was happy with Levine winning. But. Uh, you could have given it to either one. People calling it the best dunk contest they've ever seen. I don't necessarily know about that. It was one of the better dunk contests. Don't get me wrong. It was very exciting. Uh, I was very excited with it. But, you know, people say it's back. Well, I, I guess I say, well, is it back or was it so good that there's no way you'll be able to top it next year? Like, how are you going to top it next year? I don't necessarily know. So I'm going to hesitate to say it's back. Because we might get to the dunk contest next year and it could be just awful based on the expectations. I think expectations were huge. I had no expectations going into the dunk contest. And that might have made me a little bit more excited for what we actually saw. Next year, we're going to have extremely high expectations for the dunk contest. And it's probably not going to be anywhere close to as good. And we'll say, oh, it's dead again. (laughs) Until the following year when we don't have expectations again. Turns out somebody gives you something great. But I think overall, uh, a great weekend for the NBA and their All-Star Weekend in Toronto. The regular season resumes Thursday night. The Celtics resume Friday night in Utah. Will they be, uh, will they have a superstar All-Star player? Will they be a different group? We'll find out. Again, Kyle Draper will join me tomorrow. We'll do some more NBA trade deadline stuff the rest of the week. Uh, Just an NHL update. Patrice Bergeron, he had missed the last two games. He skated today at the morning skate in Columbus. It looks like he's going to play tonight against the Blue Jackets, so that's a great thing for the Bruins. The NHL trade deadline is February 29th, and as I mentioned, this week, pitches and catches reporting to spring training. So, uh... Uh, anything that goes down in with spring training storylines, NHL deals, uh, NBA trades, I'll react to it, and we'll keep an eye on the Peyton Manning stuff because I do hope that now at least the HGH story picks up a little bit of steam in the national sports media based on the way we now know the Manning family reacts and, more importantly, the pattern that that is being set here, that has been made by the Manning family. There's a patent here of the way they react, which means, you know, they feel like they can do whatever they want. And I got news for them. They can't. Eventually, this shit's going to come back to butt you in the ass, much like it seems like this HGH thing should be coming back to bite him in the ass. Well, we need some of the ESPN folks to acknowledge that that is a major storyline. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe to this podcast 
And listen whenever you want at dannypicard.com on iTunes, on the Stitcher app, you name it. Wherever podcasts are available, you can get this show. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Again, Kyle Draper from Comcast Sportsnet New England. He's my NBA insider. He'll join me on this show tomorrow. We'll talk NBA trade deadline the rest of the week. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.